Hello, and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 11 for January 1st, 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. So we're wrapping up what they call the holiday season. And I've always had one weird little gripe about the holiday season. It is that we ramp up to it for a month, sometimes longer. Thanksgiving was early this year, long, long ramp up. And we spend a lot of time thinking about where to buy, what to buy, when to buy, decorating, baking, doing all the things, and anticipating this one thing that's going to happen for many people that happens on the 25th of December. And then we fall off a holiday season cliff. It just ends. And that is honestly what motivated me to make this show today, because I felt like a little late gift giving was in order. Uh, Whether you celebrated Christmas or whether you celebrated some other holiday or whether you just hid under the covers waiting for it all to be over, everybody likes a gift, right? Well, I got you some little gifts. No, 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 no. It's my pleasure. Please enjoy. And these gifts come to you courtesy of past parallel guests, both during my time at Relay and in the 14 episodes before then. In any case, a lot of these great people are super smart. They know a lot of things about a lot of things. And I just said, hey, why don't you send me a tip for the holiday? I didn't tell them what to talk about. It didn't give them any limitations other than a time limit. Um, So I didn't know what I was going to get. And I was really pleased with what I did get. So without further ado, I'm going to bring you some holiday tips from past Parallel guests. The first one, I will tell you, probably should have come to you before Christmas uh, because it is sort of a guide to how one might prepare to give a certain kind of a gift on Christmas morning. But other than that, I think all these tips are pretty evergreen. So let's roll that beautiful tip footage, and I'll be back to talk to you at the end. Hey everyone, Joe Steinkamp with the Blind Bargains podcast. Head on over to blindbargains.com and hear me, JJ, and Patrick talk about things that are all sorts of the rage of technology and assistive technology. And well, there's just a lot of technology over there. So head on over to hear us talk about that on a weekly basis. Now I'm over here on the parallel to tell you about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. That's right. It's video games. Yay. Big Kermit the Frog Wild Arms thing going on there. I just can't control myself. The video games thing is really cool. And you might remember such famous YouTube videos like Nintendo 64, Nintendo 64. I have Nintendo 64. You know, what's crazy about that particular video? Uh, It's kind of, well, it's kind of outdated and and antiquated because with the Nintendo 64, you could just plug it up to a television and fire it up and off you were going to play a game. It was great. Not today. Today's modern consoles require you to do lots of patches. So if you're thinking about giving something to someone in the video game area, you want to do a couple of things. The first one that you want to do is go ahead and break the packaging open, slap that sucker on a television and configure it as best you can and download all the patches that are necessary. Uh, These consoles could be sitting around in a warehouse for a long time. And since they were shipped, there's been updates just like your computer. So it's kind of really sad when you take a console out and you're all excited to play a game and instead you watch the progress bar go from the left side to the right side of the screen. The same thing with games. The new Fallout 76 game has a 53 gig patch available for it. So you may want to go ahead and, uh, load that up too. So if you have any games, you want to go ahead and get those out of the way. So that way you can just get to plan on that wonderful holiday morning and just go ahead and slap that on, except there may be a problem with the 4k television. This is another thing you may want to look into. And you, if you know the model number of your television, 
and you do have 4K, you may want to go ahead and do a quick Google search right now about your particular video game console and 4K. In my situation, I had a PlayStation 4 Pro and I had to do a little bit of uh, messing around and messing about inside the menus in order to get that to work with my Vizio television. So these are things you want to think about uh, rather than Learn how to do it on Christmas morning. That is not a fun thing to do. Also, remember that there is accessibility built into many modern consoles. There is narrator inside the Xbox One, which will be able to do speech, as well as magnification. That's also built in. The Sony PlayStation also has a synthesizer, and uh, they also work in things like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. So you can actually browse those video services on your Xbox One and your PlayStation 4. Lastly, the Nintendo Switch only has things like high contrast and some minor modifications for magnification. So you won't necessarily have speech on that console, but it's still kind of blind friendly because you can still use cartridges and boot up and go into the cartridge. If you have any more questions about this, feel free to follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash ranger station, all one word, traditional spelling of ranger, traditional spelling of station. And of course you can follow us over at blind bargains on Twitter as well. Happy holidays. Hi, this is Florence Ion from material podcast, and I've got some good news. There are accessibility settings available on Google Assistant smart displays, like the Lenovo Smart Display and the JBL Link View. The Google Home Hub offers accessibility settings too, though they're not as robust as the larger variants I just mentioned. So, to get to the Google Assistant Smart Display's accessibility settings, tap into the Google Home app on your Android or iOS smartphone, Tap on the last icon on the bottom navigation bar that takes you to your account information, then tap on settings. You'll see a screen with a tab for personal info, assistant, services, and home. Tap on the second option, assistant, then scroll down to assistant devices and look for your smart display. You'll notice when you're there, if the heading says device settings, Scroll down to tap on the accessibility options, then toggle on the ones that relate to you. You'll see menu items to turn on and off features like audio descriptions for what's happening on screen, as well as Google Screen Reader, aptly called TalkBack. You can set up color corrections to invert colors as you need, or set it up so that the screen magnifies when you tap at it with a triple tap. There's also high contrast text available on some smart displays, and even closed captioning for the assistant's voice. Play around and see what you like, and remember that features do vary by device, so you want to factor that into your buying decision. For instance, while the Lenovo Smart Display offers audio descriptions for what's happening on screen, the Google Home Hub sadly does not. Hello, this is Jesse Anderson from the Illegally Cited YouTube channel. You can follow me on YouTube, youtube.com slash illegally cited, or on Twitter, at BGFH79. My tip is for using Windows Magnifier, more specifically in Windows 10. There are a couple of features that really make using Magnifier a lot easier um, and behave maybe more to what you would be expecting. So really quickly, um, what we're going to do is have Windows Magnifier actually follow your keyboard focus and follow you along follow along with you as you type. So basically you hit your Windows key to go to your start menu and in the search box type in ease of access and hit enter. 
This will bring you to your ease of access center where all of your accessibility features, or most of them anyway, are in Windows 10. In the left-hand side, you'll see a list of different categories of, of uh, accessibility options, and we want Magnifier. It'll be a few down there. Click on Magnifier. Now, in the right-hand side, there's a whole bunch of settings which I would recommend that you guys also explore because there are some really useful uh, features in here. But what we are really wanting to use here is you want to find the section that says Have Magnifier Follow. And there are several checkboxes here. Now, the first one, Mouse Pointer, will be checked, which means you move your mouse, Magnifier scrolls as it should, um, of course, you're going to have that, so uh, Magnifier will check that by default. The next couple, however, for whatever reason, are not checked. And I would say 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, I would think people would want to have these checked. The next one says we want to follow the keyboard focus. That will allow you to, if I hit the start menu and I arrow around the start menu, if I alt-tab, if I tab through a dialog box, any sort of keyboard navigation, uh, Magnifier will then follow along with you. If you don't have this checked, it will, you know, you can still do those things, but you will have to keep continuously moving the mouse uh, to see where your focus has jumped to. The next one, the next checkbox says text insertion point. And that is your basically your typing cursor. If you're typing in a search box, in Notepad, in Word, on the internet, on an internet form, email, whatever. Uh, one of the first things when I tried Magnifier initially, I was confused because as I was typing, it would not follow along. And um, I found out if you check this box, you know, I then you then it'll follow along with you. No need to keep pushing the mouse back and forth to follow along as you type. And the final checkbox is narrator cursor, which is checked by default. And so I would say check all of these. The mouse, you want to have the mouse cursor, keyboard focus, text insertion point, and narrator cursor. All of those checked. Now the nice thing is once you check these on a machine, you don't have to worry about checking them again. If you shut down, you log off. Uh, next time you start up Windows or next time you close and open Magnifier, um, those settings will be preserved and you will be probably a lot happier um, using Magnifier. So that is my tip on using Windows Magnifier. Hope it helped and thanks a lot. Hi, this is JJ Metal, one of the co-hosts of the Blind Bargains cast over at blindbargains.com. Want to come here on the parallel to talk a little bit about accessibility and especially when it comes to emails. I get a lot of emails. I am blind myself and I use a screen reader which takes the text on the screen and reads it to me. And one of the worst situations for me when I try to decipher what is coming at me is in emails, especially when it comes to things like unlabeled images. Those are those images that are nice and visual. You have all sorts of icons. Perhaps they have your specials. Perhaps they have the thing that you're really trying to convey in the email. Well, if they are in an image and there is no alternative text, then I have no idea what your special is or what you're trying to sell me, and I'm probably not going to go any further in your email. In fact, some people will take this so far, and they will have one big image as their entire email. This happens if you go into some sort of design software, 
like Adobe or one of the others and you have a nicely designed visual email, but you don't actually tag it up and put text on your email. So what that looks like to us is just either nothing or just one blank image which has the entire email. It makes it more difficult to read and also for low vision users makes it much more difficult to navigate. One other thing that you can do to your emails that might be a little less obvious is adding headers. If you are running a web page and say you were doing blog posts or other things, you usually will do headings on your web page to allow people to navigate through. Well, if you're doing an email newsletter and you're going to have several different sections, you should put headings before each of the sections as well. When you have headings, we can navigate between them by pressing a single letter hotkey. Usually it's H in Windows or you can do a gesture on your phone on iOS or Android. So we can uh, take those headings and we can easily move through the email. Now you can do this without it visually looking any different. It doesn't have to mess up your email visually using uh, CSS or other email styling tricks. The point of much of this is you can actually make your emails a lot more accessible. They don't have to be visually looking bad. They will still look great, but they will be there for a much wider audience. In fact, when you put them on the web, your web-based version of the email, they will also be much more indexed in these search engines as well. So hope this helps you out, gives you some ideas to thinking about your emails, making them more accessible. More accessible leads to more clicks, more clicks, more sales. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the parallel. Hello, this is Darren from the Mac Quadcast podcast. And my tip is about how to auto turn book pages in iOS. Firstly, you need to select your settings, which is the little grey cog. Then ensure that general is selected and then tap accessibility. Flick down and tap on accessibility shortcut. Tap on voiceover. Go back to the main accessibility screen. Flick up and tap on voiceover. Drag speaking rate between one quarter and one third. Then you can return to your home page. You can launch iBooks or Kindle, whichever application you re- use to read your books. Then choose a book. Once on the page you wish to start at, on iPhones prior to the iPhone 10, triple-click the Home button on iPhones after, and including the iPhone 10, triple-click the Side button. VoiceOver is now activated. Start continuous reading by doing a two-finger swipe down. If you're visually impaired, you will probably want to leave the voiceover at a reasonable level. But if you're motor impaired like myself, you can turn the volume right down so that the page is turning while you're reading. So just turn the volume down to zero. When the voiceover reaches the end of the page, it will turn for you. To stop voiceover and auto page time, triple click either the home button or your side button. You can then return to the home page as usual. I hope this tip helps listeners with reading of their books. 
Hi, this is Stephen Hackett from Relay FM, and my tip is about smart albums and Apple's Photos app for the Mac. Like smart playlists and iTunes back in the day, smart albums unlock all sorts of organizational and sorting possibilities. If you're like me and you have a large photo library, it can be hard to drill down into specific things quickly. Smart albums can look at all sorts of information about your pictures. Everything from capture date and camera model to description and other metadata is exposed in the smart album interface. It can even see photos-specific data, like if a tagged person appears in an image or what manually created album it resides within. Like other filtering systems across Apple's applications, these qualifications can be stacked upon each other. For example, say for some reason you want to see all the photos you took in December 2015 with your old iPhone 6. Pretty straightforward. Did you import a bunch of photos months ago from Finder with related file names and now they're just scattered to the wind in photos? You can search for them quickly. You can even see every single photo that was taken with a flash if that's something you need to do. The best part of smart albums is that they are always updating. For example, I have one created to collect all the images in my photo library that I have not manually added to an album. I simply let iCloud Photo Library do its thing, and a couple times a month I open photos on my iMac, and I can look through this single smart album. I can then sort the images I want to keep and discard the ones I don't. Hello, this is Josh DeLioncourt, author of The Dragon's Bridge Cycle, including Haven Lost, the sequel to which will be out on Audible in the next month or two. My tip is about the 2018 iPad Pro and podcasting. Now that the iPad Pros have a USB-C port, it opens up the options for connecting peripherals, including audio interfaces. Right now, I'm recording this using the Scarlett Solo 2x2 audio interface, which has XLR inputs for fancy microphones. That plugs directly into my 2018 iPad Pro's USB-C port using a USB-C to USB-B cable. The Scarlett has an audio out jack for headphones, which I'm using. VoiceOver is piped through to that as soon as the interface is plugged in. And I'm using Ferrite to record and edit this clip. It's a pretty nice setup and works extremely well. The developers of Ferrite have put a tremendous amount of work into making sure that the app is accessible with VoiceOver, and it really works well. I highly recommend it. You can try the app for free, and there is a $29 in-app purchase to get additional features, including longer projects and all kinds of special audio processing effects. Wow. Thank you to Joe, Flo, Jesse, Darren, Josh, JJ, and Stephen for the wonderful tips. And I hope all of you folks out there listening will check out their podcasts. If you're not familiar with what they do, you'll find links to their work on the show notes for this episode, which you can in turn find at relay.fm slash parallel. That's also where you can subscribe to this show. You can follow the show on Twitter at Parallel Pods. You can also follow me personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, have yourself a fabulous new year.